The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. G'day everyone and welcome to the, the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast. Live on Port Fan Radio tonight. I'm your host, Mac 19, and joining us as always, it's a lovely Porsche. How are you Hello. going? Hello, I'm quite well. How are you? Good, good. Pretty good. It's been a lovely day here today. Uh, nice and warm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, ready to talk footy and ports. Yeah. Ports. I, I, I can't wait till this final series is over too because it just seems to be delaying all these things that we can actually <laughs> talk about, you know. Um, I, I'm really impatient for us to get trade week started and I'm really impatient for oh, us man, to not I have to... Oh, man, I want to get trade week started. I, I'm really impatient for us to I want to, to get not... draft week, draft... Well, yeah. for us, it's what, like draft, you know, draft two months, days. basically. So. Yeah, that's true. Mm. Uh, and I want to not think about the demons and how well they're doing in a year that we thought we were going to do better than them. And that when I started following yeah. them a couple of years ago, I thought it would be to experience some uh, low-level football while we were playing high-level football. And it's turned out upside down. So, mm. <laughs> oh, That's it. That's it. Mm. Well... Look, I think the first thing I want to talk about, I know it's not Port-related at all, but I want to talk about the SANFL final, prelim final yesterday. Are you aware of what happened there, Porsche? I am unaware of this. Okay, so North played Woodville West Torrens. Woodville West Torrens uh, were 40-odd points up at halftime. They, uh, North Adelaide ended up coming back, and they actually won the game by five points um, in the last quarter. But what... It came out after the game was that North actually had an extra player on the ground for the first five minutes. The first five minutes of the last quarter in which they scored one goal two uh, in a game that they won by under a kick. Um, so obviously this has created you know the biggest furor in uh, South Australian you know National Football League football since Port announced it was going into the AFL. Um, and it's, I think the SNFL released that, um, the result stands, um, but they've now gone back and sort of said, well, we're going to have a look at it. And then they handballed it to the SNFL commission who had a look at it who have now handballed it to a tribunal to, uh, to make a ruling on what's going to happen there. Um, what are your thoughts on what should occur? Should the result stand? Should the uh, should the score that got scored whilst they had an extra player on the on the field be rubbed out, which means um, Woodville West Torrens go through? What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, I think it stands right because there's precedent for this sort of thing. Like you know, if if the opposition team reckons there's too many players on the field, you can demand a recount and. Um... Yeah, you know, well, uh, that yeah. Ki- that kind of happened. That kind okay. of happened. Like yeah. a, a few uh, Woodville West Torrens officials apparently made note of it to the uh, SANFL uh, rep on the bench and to the uh, to the steward, um, who pretty much ignored it. I think and said, "Well, your captain has to sort of that's true say something about it," which is which is a hundred percent true to the letter of the law. Yep. Um, in, in which time I think the uh, the offending player ended up off the off the field, um, but yeah, I don't know. It's uh, I think it's one of those sort of rules where you sort of don't think you're ever going to have to use it. But now uh, you, you could make a legitimate case that it actually costs someone a spot in a grand final. Ah, uh, look, I mean, I, I would be. I reckon it probably happens every week somewhere in Australia. Um, Probably, but not in a prelim final at uh, <laughs> at SANFL level. Um, Strangely enough, the same thing happened in the NEFL grand final yesterday as well. There you go. Uh, yeah. Which is just absolutely bizarre. But um, <laughs> I, I think yeah, I think Southport were about ten goals up at the time, and Sydney said, "Forget about it. Don't worry about it." <laughs> sort yeah. of thing. Well, um, so um, they they were still able to keep their score. I guess all you can really do about it, because you don't want that to affect the result, unless 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 the opposition team's been caught in the act, and then you can do yeah. free kicks and fifties and whatever else. I don't know what the actual you know penalty is, or be without a man for X amount of time. I don't know what the discretion is, but as far mm. as changing the result when it was never actually officially um, treated, eh, I, I don't think there's any real grounds for that. Um, 
Suck it up, we'll do it. It's, um, <laughs> it, 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 I just feel like whatever decision gets made, there's going to be an injunction, no matter what. <laughs> like, if the result stands, I reckon Woodville West Torrance are going to push it further. I think if it gets reversed, I think North will push it further. I, this could end up just being a complete and utter mess this week. I mean, I think that you let it stand and then you allow, you know, any remedies to take place in the off-season, really. And they'll probably be administrative yeah. remedies, like maybe, I don't know, I know there's a, what, a soft salary cap or something for SNFL clubs or something like that. You can maybe mm. dock a bit off uh, North Adelaide's or, I don't know, whatever else. I'm sure there's something. Yeah. What a bizarre... Look, I, I'm quite happy that this happens to Woodville West Torrance because I hate Woodville West Torrance with passion. <laughs> so um, I'm more than delighted that... Um, <laughs> That they not only did they have they choked uh, for about the fourth season in a row in the finals, mm. um, for them to uh, to lose a spot in a grand final in this fashion is uh, is quite amusing to me, I think. Um, but man, I would be absolutely. F- this is the sort of thing that would happen to Port. Um, yeah, this right. Year, sort of thing. <laughs> this is this is definitely something that should have happened to Port at some stage this season. It's, I think it's, that's um, the weirdest thing about this. And like I know it would say... have been a. Would have been furious at it, I think. I, I just find it impossible to believe that the SNFL can have any controversy controversy that doesn't involve Port. Like that's why I'm left sort of ambivalent about this. I, I just it, who, well, who, funnily who, enough, who knew you, there were other you teams. You, you do say this, but a whole bunch of moronic Crow supporters have come out and said, "Oh well, Josh Carr's coach, and you know, typical <laughs> Port, bloody, I don't know." <laughs> <laughs> he was there while they cheated for their first premiership at AFL level oh, and all this go. sort of stuff. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Oh, it's, it's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the tears are, de- are delicious, that's for I, sure. I, I just find it hard to believe the SNFL exists when Port Adelaide isn't playing, <laughs> really. Like, yeah. just at all. It, it's yeah. bizarre. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that's um, quite something that... Um, yeah, probably haven't seen for a long, long time. I think the last time there was a head count at AFL level was back in '99, so yeah. 20 years ago, just about. Yeah, yeah it is as much. Um, and then probably 20 years before that again. So it's not something that happens at all often. No, no. But it, well, I mean, I guess since they did the interchange gate, that made it a bit uh, um, at AFL level a bit less likely to occur. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, it's interesting. Hmm. Right, enough about the SNFL. Let's talk about, I guess, finals. Melbourne into a prelim against West Coast. They beat West Coast over there not that long ago, about four or five weeks ago. You think they have a chance of doing it again? Oh, yeah, why not? <laughs> it in Look, my it face. seems to be, you know, these things come in threes. We've had the dogs, we've had Richmond, and now it seems like it's Melbourne's time. Ever since I vocally declared that I was done following Melbourne because I hate Goodwin football, they suddenly, you know, skyrocketed. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's it. And Collingwood threw to a prelim as well to uh, to do what must be the biggest prelim final in decades. Collingwood versus Richmond, the two biggest clubs in the land, uh, facing off in a prelim final. Um, yeah. That's going to be. Uh, that's going to be. You just wish you could be there for the atmosphere. I think in that game. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I, I think that I, I'm like, well, a couple of suburbs away, but I think I'm close enough to get the atmosphere on uh, on the game day. <laughs> yep. We'll get here at all across Melbourne, I reckon. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, jeez. Yeah, no, so no, who no. do you think is going to play off in a grand final? Oh, gosh. Um, Richmond and Eagles. I'm just going to go with home teams. Richmond Eagles, yep. I think that's probably... A logical choice, I unless, guess you would say. Unless, unless, unless the Weagles umpiring habits go contrary to every other game they've played in this year, in which case it could yeah. be the Demons. But that, that's anyone. I don't Fair see. Enough. I don't see Collingwood getting up over Richmond. Yep. Right. Let's um, let's talk about some trade news. I guess uh, it looks like Jared Pauling is leaving. I think he's announced that um, he's going to seek a trade to uh, to North Melbourne. Okay. Um, so that looks like it's uh, it's on its way. Um, he's pretty sad to lose him. He's uh, coming into his peak. He had a really good year this year. Uh, it's definitely going to leave a hole, but um, I think it's a replaceable hole. Um, what would you like to receive in return for Jared Pollack? Oh, gosh. Um, I'd like to 
gosh, I don't know. I mean, high pick, obviously. Um, oh, I have a quick look through the list, but I mean, I, I just want to not spend another off season being lowballed by North Melbourne. <laughs> That's my main thing. That, that'll be yeah. Look, that that'll be happen. annoying. It's that would happen. be very annoying. And um, didn't we talk about uh, your mate um, Will Walker maybe being part of a deal? Um, mm. I reckon that still have to be on the cards for us. Although I'm sure they'll probably say, no, no, take Sean Atley, and that might be on the cards as well. I don't know. Um, yeah. Mm. But I don't know, Louis. So long as we come out of it with their first round pick, I think I'm going to be pretty content. Even if we have to throw in something late to sort of even it out, maybe. I don't know. But, It'll be pretty late. Um, yeah. Um, yes, it would. You would think so. Yeah. Mm. Um, but look, I, I think if we can land another first round pick, I'd be pretty happy with that. Yeah, look, I mean, if we could have have a do-over on 2009 and get picks 9 and 10 and not screw them up, that'd be really good. <laughs> oh, that'd be great. Yes, that would be great. Uh, Still love you, Butch. <laughs> yeah, I looked, I'm looked. i never never critical of the Butcher pick. It was worth it at the, at the spot he was at. But yeah. That Andrew Moore one, yeah. that never made sense at any point. No, no. Definitely not. Um, all right, it... Chad Wingard, we might as well talk about him as well. There just seems to be a lot of smoke around Chad Wingard at the moment. Usually when there's this much smoke, it tends to mean there's a fire somewhere. Well, I mean, I don't think he believes in the coaches, and I don't think he's alone. So, yeah, that's where I'm at with Chad Wingard. I don't think there's anything else Mm. other than that. I don't think he believes the game plan's going to work, and I don't think it does work. So, yep, correct, Chad. (laughs) You you are correct. (laughs) Hmm. Well, look, I'm not sure it's him making the call, to be honest. Um, I don't think he's the one that wants to part ways with Port Adelaide. I think it well, comes from Port. Then again, as I say so often these days, if that's the case, that's even worse. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's much worse. Well, oh. You can see it if... It, look, I've, I would love to keep Chad because I still think if he if he plays a whole season as a midfielder, He's going to be all Australian again, and I would much prefer that to happen in a Port Adelaide Guernsey yep. than for that to happen in a Bulldogs or St Kilda or Carlton or some other club's Guernsey. To be honest, trading Wingard instead of sacking the coach is about the exact opposite of what Port Adelaide should do. Yes, fair enough. Mm. That is fair. Look, let's go on to some big footy questions. We'll, uh, we'll race through this and uh, get on to some questions. CT Power has asked, it's now two years since we traded a future first rounder in order to get four picks inside the top 35 at the 2016 draft. Did that strategy work? Uh, I mean, I guess so. I don't know. Like, Marshall looks pretty good. Pal Pepper's Pal Pepper. Uh, and certainly looking back at that draft, there's a lot of good players in that draft, you know. Um, we didn't get all mm. of them, I guess, but, you know, I'm, I'm pretty happy with how we did. And uh, the yeah. two later picks, uh, Atley and Drew, well, Atley's done a bit, and I think that us trading, or not trading, us bringing in Rockcliffe ahead of him and um, sort of increasing the blockages of him playing regular centre football, I think that probably had an impact on his second year, but it was his second year, you know. Yeah. He's still, what, he's 20? Yeah. He's a 20-year-old, they're all 20-year-olds, so... I'm not really yeah. too worried about any of them not turning out at this point. And um, obviously the club's happy enough with how Willem Drew is developing um, that he's still going to be around next year. So, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm fine with all of that at the moment. Um, the later picks yeah, look, you I'm, expect. To, we, we talked about even on draft day. Look, if we draft these guys, at least one of them should work out. That was that was what our position, really. Um, and I think yeah. that, that's likely. Yeah. Well, I'm pretty happy with... Uh, Still with um, with going heavy in that draft. I was a big fan of that draft at the time. Um, and look, turned up with Marshall and, and Pal Pepper was, was great. I think both have shown a lot of promise. Um, and I think both should develop into long-time AFL players for Port Adelaide, to be honest. And look, I still hold out a lot of hope for Atley. And look, to a lesser extent, Drew, I guess, you know, he's been injury-riddled. Um, I would really want to see him get a free run at it because I think he can provide something a little bit different you know, he's really good inside. He's he's quite quick outside as well. He can play on a flank, can play inside midfield. Um, so I still hold out hope for Willem Drew as well. Uh, did that strategy work? Still probably a bit too early to tell. But, oh, um, but I w- I you know, I'm pretty say, happy with what we did. I would also say recalling, you know, us on draft day and talking about players that year is that we were talking about, oh, I've got to get Sam Hayes. He'll be a top 10 pick next year. 
Um, so yeah. if, if we're looking in that kind of hindsight, um, the fact that they've got Sam Hayes for a song the following year, like, yeah, no, that's all worked out really well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. To end up with a, with a potential gun like him, um, with yeah. where we called his name out, um, yeah, I doubt anybody really would have thought that would have happened 12 no. months Prior. 12 months before that. Right. <laughs> um, CT Power has also asked, how confident are you that Jeff Parker will call out the right names on draft night? I guess fairly confident. Is that a reference to something? Um, I guess so. Look, you, you mentioned 2009 before. That wasn't Parker. That was Blair no. Hartley, I think, from memory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and look, obviously he stuffed that up good and proper. Mm. Um Look, I, I was very critical of Parker and and the recruiting team's choices um, when he sort of first came into the job. But uh, look, try, his last few years, oh, I reckon it was 11, I reckon he came in, hmm. or 10. I reckon it was the Ben Jacobs year, I, I reckon he came was, in. If it was, then But I, I, look, I, I'm pretty happy with how our recruiting team has has picked players in the last uh, three to four drafts. To be honest, going back to um, to the Bonner and, and Johnson one, I think from that moment on, I think we've done pretty well. To be honest, look honestly, I think if you're going to um, look at that, I'd, I'd say that if the time at which our drafting and probably our trading and everything got a bit better was when we. Um, shifted Cripps into list management. And I think he's got some input as well, obviously. So, um, yeah. yeah, that was a big surprise. We all thought, oh, yeah, it's not going to work out well. But I think that's, for me, that's been the, the game changer for our off-field um, is that particular move. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, look, Hartley joined Richmond at the start of 2010. So that 2010 draft where we picked Jacobs, that was Parker's first year. Okay, yeah, well... <laughs> Probably not a great start. <laughs> Bloody awful, isn't it, Frank? That was, that was one of our worst drafting years ever, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Mm. Um, next question is from Andre. Um, is our defence and Bassett overrated by pushing back so many players? Uh, look, I mean, it probably is a bit. But on the other hand, it's also... I mean, the reason we're talking about them tonight is uh, because it's a young defence. So, yeah, it probably is a bit weak. But the upside is that um, as we hopefully, hopefully stop dropping every player back into defence, then as those players mature and get into that, you know, that 24, 27 age bracket uh, yeah. as a group, um, they'll be up to, well and truly up to speed by that point. Because um, then, yeah. you know, they're not, you know, I think one of them is in that bracket right now from off the top of my head. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I think that they're developing all right. I think they're getting an idea of where to go. But they're all they're a young defence, and if we weren't dropping players back, I can see that they probably would be looking a lot worse than they probably have so far this year. Um, we yeah. do need to move away from basketball, though. I agree. Yeah. Look, even this year, defensively, we had our second best... Well, actually, our best season defensively mm. in a very, very long time. Um, I'm just quickly looking... Actually, ever... <laughs> I think we um we actually yeah we had the least amount scored against us than ever ever before at AFL level so that's that shows they're doing something right and I don't think anyone really criticises our defence defensively I think it's all about ball movement and and strategy with how we sort of move the ball forward and structures yeah. and that sort of thing which is more. Uh, heavily criticised as opposed to the defenders doing their job defensively, which I think they do pretty well. I think most weeks they they keep us in it and and keep us to what should be a, um, a score that should be able to kick well against and, and won against. Um, it's just players and strategy further up the field, which lets us down. Yeah, it's one of those things, I think, for discipline in a, in a ball sport, which is uh, like AFL particularly, I guess, is that when the defenders are having trouble clearing it, it must take a lot of lot of willpower not to just think, oh, I'll drop back there and help out, because I think that's probably a reasonable amount of what seems to happen. Um, yeah. You know, if the, if the defence aren't clearing all that well, and I think that's probably, yeah, you, you bang on on that uh, criticism, um, then, yeah, that's when you, you, you start getting the clog because they're not clearing well. Um, yeah. And it doesn't seem to help. It doesn't help, really, because you take away your opportunities upfield. 
Um, and I'll, I'll say this, anyone that's, anyone that's played uh, Overwatch and played the Lucio ball game, they know that's exactly the problem, um, which I know is probably over your head. Uh, it's a three-player, basically, soccer game that you play, and if you have three goalkeepers, you always lose. You need to have one goalkeeper yep. and two forwards, and then you always win. And there you go. Anyone that plays Overwatch will know what I'm talking about. I'm happy to talk Overwatch, Lucio ball strategy, any time. Just make that a question. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, Andre also asked, with, uh, with the 6-6-6 um, starting positions likely uh, to make it harder to overstack our defence all the time, is Jonas Howard, Cleary, Houston, DBJ and Lena defence able to both defend and rebound without so much help? Uh, look, I mean, I, I think that all that's really going to do is it's going to increase collisions in midfield. So I don't, th- I don't think it'll... Yeah. I, I don't I'm think not it'll sure it's going to make it all. all that much harder, to be no, honest. No, it won't. It'll, it'll because all that's going to happen is someone's going to start on a wing and then, then they're going to run back behind the ball. That's all that's, all that's going to happen. So it'll, it'll reduce the quality of ball going forward, I would say, would be my guess. Yep. And try and, I guess they'll try and turn it into a quick goal thing where you've got a lot of one-on-one uh, in the forward line. Uh, and then it'll mm. come down to who can map that space for players best as a coach, um, which I don't think we've shown we can do. Um, so yeah. it probably will hurt us, but not for the reason that was stated. Yeah. Uh, Janus has asked, um, our game plan is predicated on stoppages, which is why we tend to spoil the ball out of bounds, yet our defence should be predicated on intercept marking. Do you feel the players you mentioned are able to transition to a stage where they mark the ball and take off, or do we need to find better players through the draft trade? Look, I don't know. I, I, have, I hope that Howard is, and I... There's a, couple of, there's a couple of things that make me think, mm, and a couple of times he does things, you go, yeah, that's exactly what he needs to be doing every week. So he's just, he's in yeah. development. He's a player in development, you know? That, that's what a lot of these guys are. Um, they've got to be able to take that intercept and then come back the other way. But a lot of that is experience. You know, defenders, there's, yeah. no, there's no teams win premierships with really young defences. It just doesn't happen, really. Um, mm. Yeah, I can't think of any exceptions to that. I think that's pretty consistent. Um, yeah. yeah. Look, Howard could have easily taken, you know, three times as many intercept marks as he, he as he probably could have, because there was lots of times where he chose to punch, and you, and you could hear Alone. the crowd go, yeah. oh, "Mark the ball, man!" You know? yeah. And look, that's just experience and um, sort of learning. Now, look, I think he'll get a lot better at that. I think, um, you know, if we had Broadbent and Hartlett out there during the year, I think um, intercept marking would have been a hell of a lot better as well. <laughs> I was just thinking, what he needs to do is get leather poisoning in the off season, and you know, just have someone kick the ball to him in a field. I'm thinking, can you imagine how annoying it would have been playing kick to kick with little boy Dougal Howard when he just keeps punching the ball away every time you kick it to him? No, you have to wait for him to get the ball yeah. afterwards, and then kick it back. And, oh, it takes forever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, marks up would have been a uh, would have been a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. In the schoolyard. <laughs> Uh, Our last question is also from CT Power, which is, uh, were you guys surprised at how many players we drafted last year? Should we have drafted less last year and more this year? I'm in favour of high rotation for drafting, um, which is where you basically, for the most part, uh, and particularly with Oda Picks, you give players one or two years to show they've got something, and if they don't, you to list them, as opposed to what we generally do, which is we give them three or four years, um, regardless of when we've drafted them. I think that we Porsche to... wants more last year, more this year, more next year, and more the year after I, that. Absolutely, yes, and yes, absolutely. That... More asbestos, more asbestos. Until we get to the point where our list depth is improved, and I know that you could, there could be a criticism, oh, you're hurting list depth. I was like, no, 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 because you don't, the best way to get a, a full list is to cycle through players and see who's got it and who doesn't. And a lot of that you can't mm. work out until you've seen, particularly if you target, um, I suppose, players that, uh, like like a Robbie Gray type, you know, until you can get a player like that away away from part time football, um, you know, which is certainly something that is hard to do. And uh, I think that's one of the reasons why we get all the um, uh, middle class and you know, high, upper class kids playing football now is that uh, if you don't get drafted out of high school, it's actually pretty hard to play football seriously at AFL level. You've got to give up a lot. Yeah. You know, you got to you got to you got to have a job, mate. <laughs> you yeah. can't you can't just cruise around at mum and dad's and uh, uh, keep training and whatever else. No, so I think that if you want to target working class kids, and I think the working class kids are probably among the more loyal um, in terms of staying at the club they were drafted to. 
um, yeah. then I think that, uh, yeah, absolutely, cycle through and give them a chance at full-time football because I think that you can see a huge potential rise in, uh, in their development if they're coming from a background where they haven't really necessarily had that opportunity, where they were working part-time mm. in high school and that sort of thing, you know? Um, yeah. This is, and, of course, then there's Look, the training I, loads and all that. You know, it's a lot of improvement that can happen to an 18-year-old with a couple of years. You've just got to keep looking. Yeah. Look, I think our hands were tied a little bit last year. I don't think we wanted to lose Impey, and I don't think we wanted to lose Austin, but, you know, they wanted to go. They were contracted, and I think that sort of forced our hand to uh, to pick a couple of extra players in the draft and what we probably originally planned to do. Um but look, I'm I'm happy we had a bit of a list churn last year. I'm happy it's going to happen again this year as well. So, um, and look, I'm I'm pretty happy with the players that we picked last year. You know, Hayes, I've got a lot of hope for. I think Garner's going to be a really good player. Uh, Farrell's shown a lot of promise so far in his AFL games. Um, and you know, Pat Moore's a bit of a wild card as well because he's yeah. uh, he's an absolute ball magnet at under eighteen level. So, um, and you know, he could be the wild card this year coming in and, and providing that sort of uh, link-up play that uh, that Pollock used to do. So, um, well, I'm pretty happy with how we performed last year. I'm happy we, we drafted um, who we got and uh, looking forward to talking about the draft again this year too. Yeah, I mean, Joel Garner, like he's someone we're going to talk about today and like he was taken with our second last pick just ahead of Don Barry. And I think I'm quite happy mm. with how Joel Garner's gone. And Mitch Crowden went to Frio and, you know, the pick before Joel, Gar- Joel Garner did. Um, yeah. You know, there was a lot of decent opportunities for smaller players last year late in the draft, and I think we took advantage of that. But small yeah. players, you've got to cycle them through. And I think that's why Snelling's definitely on the chop this year. Um, yeah. You know, he's had his opportunity to show, yes, I can lift under a professional atmosphere, and he hasn't quite shown enough. Um, can't even bring the next one through. That's it. Right, let's talk about our player reviews. This is the third batch of players that we're going to talk about. This one is titled The Post-Hinkley Defence. Uh, so we've got a list of six players here. The first one we're going to talk about is Tom Cleary, who, uh, who's become a mainstay in the side over the last few seasons and uh, played 19 games this year, uh, picked up an average of 12 touches, five marks, and 6.1% as a game. How did you see Tom Cleary's season this year after um, you were very bullish on his 2017? I think he was. Um, so I think that he finished the year a lot better than he started it, uh, yeah. which is a bit weird considering that's the opposite of how Port did as a team. Um, but you know, yeah. I, I don't know if, if that's a linked thing or what might be related to that. I think that he started a bit iffy, and last year he was an absolute gun. This year, I don't think he did the thing that was so reliable last year, which is managing to outbody his opponent and take a mark behind him. You know, that was a really that was the Tom Cleary move in in 2017. Um, this yep. year he seemed to be much more struggling for position. Uh, so I don't know what the cause of that was, whether he was trained differently for a different kind of strength or whatever else, um, and whether yep. they'll correct that. Uh, but, you know, I, I think that towards the end of the year he, looked, he was a bit better in that regard. So I don't know the reason, but I'm confident for him in 2019. Yeah, look, I thought his first half of the season was terrible. To be honest, um, yeah, yeah. just to put it bluntly, like he was making a lot of mistakes. He was turning the ball over every time he got it. Uh, defensively, he was nowhere. He was just all out of sorts. And um, I think he got dropped for a game sort of early-ish in the season. I think around seven or eight. I think he got dropped. Um, came back the week after, um, but it was kind of after the Gold Coast break. Um, after he came back from China, he, he started to come back into his own again and started to play the football that we saw him play for much of, of 2017. You know, he was getting, you know, he was a bit more safer with the ball. His rebounding was better. He was doing some really good defensive jobs as well. Um, so I'm glad he finished his season on a bit of a high because uh, it was very, very concerning how he started the season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, hopefully it doesn't happen again next year. Hopefully he can actually have a, a good full season. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. we we do need him too. We, as we know, we're kind of short on defensive uh, depth, and we need Tom to be um, a major part of our side going forward. I think. Yeah, and particularly with Homsch this season, pretty much declaring himself our worst defender. <laughs> yes, absolutely, definitely. Uh, the next player we just spoke about him a little bit before Joel Garner. It was his first season at the club. He played ten SNFL games, averaged ten disposals a match there. 
Now, I'm sure you didn't really get to see any of what he did this year. And look, I didn't see a whole lot either, but I know he was doing a lot more sort of shutdown jobs than what he was doing in the under-18s. Um, he played some really good games that I did see. I think his game against Sturt was was absolutely brilliant. Um, sort of towards the middle of the season, just before he got injured, he missed pretty much the entire second half of the season with injury. Um, but where do you see him fitting in the next sort of year or two? Look, I think if Darcy Byrne-Jones becomes more midfieldy, or at least you know more more forward of the back line, then I can see him, uh, Joel Garner, maybe sliding into a spot there. Um, yeah. I think that's probably the main spot for him, really, uh, is a sort of a... Yeah. I think that in the depth chart, uh, he's probably behind Hartlett and Byrne-Jones right now. Um, yeah. But if Hartlett's coming back from injury and Burn jones gets played upfield, he could get played quite early next year. Um, yeah, I think so. Mm, he's just got to take his chances uh, if and when he gets them. Yeah. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm a big fan of his. I was a big fan of his at, uh, at under-18 level. Um, and I liked what he was capable of doing offensively as well. You know, he was able to sort of take off with the ball. He, he was pretty safe with it. Uh, he's got good pace. He's a he's a surprisingly good height. He's I think he's 187 centimeters, so he's got a little bit of extra height on him. Um, yeah, look, I'm, I'm pretty bullish on what he can do over the next few seasons. I, I agree, he's definitely behind Ben Jones and and Hartlett uh, to start next year. Probably Broadbent as well if he stays. Um, but you, look, you never know what happens in preseason. Like he might absolutely gun it and and force our hand like uh, Dan Houston did a couple of seasons ago. Yeah, well, first of all, he's 184 centimetres, which is the same as uh, Hamish Hartlett. Uh, oh, there you go. I thought yeah. he was 187. Nah, there you go. Um, hmm. And he was captain of Vic Metro, so, you know, in, in that respect, you'd have to hope that that translated somewhat to, um, like you said, being a steady uh, user of the ball and maybe sliding into a young defence and accepting that even though he's young and it's a young defence, he needs to have a bit of a marshalling role. Um, yeah. So it'll be good to see if that uh, happens as well. Yep, absolutely. Uh, next player we're going to talk about is uh, one of the fan favourites, Dougal Howard. He played 20 games this year, Dukes. averaged at two Dougs, 10.6 disposals and 11.51 percenters. He was the number one one percenter player in the AFL this year. Uh, got more of them than anybody else. Uh, how did we see his season this year? Well, I think we already touched on it a bit, but the fact that he got so many one percenters it, at that point, you realise it's actually a bit of a crutch for not marking. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think that that's probably a, a big issue. Look, I think there were times he got exposed this year, um, but yes. I think there are also times when he held his own fairly well. Is he look? He's like we said before, he's a young defender and he's got to really um, get that experience and get that steadiness uh, in a defence that lost its captain pretty much. It lost Hamish Hartlett, you know, early on. And uh, yeah. I don't think, I don't think, honestly, I don't think for the rest of the year we ever quite got back to that level uh, in defence. Um, mm. Even though we were loading it up a bit more than I think we were early as well. Uh, but you know, I think he's he's got all the tools. He's got all the tools to do it. He's just got to be encouraged to do it, and he's got to be queried about when he decides to punch and when he decides to mark, and he needs to practice that uh, decision making. Yeah, and decision making yeah. is tough because it's hard to learn that. Yeah, look, Alex Rance was the same at his age as well. You know, he didn't come into the AFL system as the best backman, you know, in the modern no. era. You know, he, um, you know, he, he took a lot of time learning how to intercept Mark, and um, you know, he was criticised for being a, a puncher more than a marker uh, quite often when he was younger, and uh, and finding his way. And look, I feel like how is the same. I'm not sure how I feel about his season. To be honest, I love I love the guy. I think he's got a massive future. Sky's the limit with him. He could really be an All-Australian defender um, if he reaches his potential. But, man, there was just so many concerning things about his game this year. And, you know, at the start of the season when he was sort of, you know, giving up goals with stupid errors, um, you know, comedic mistakes, calamitous sort of mistakes. You know, when we were winning games, it's kind of like, oh, dudes, come on, man. You know, <laughs> it's not costing us, but... Well, sort of mid-year and, and halfway, th- you yeah. know, halfway three quarters through the year, you kind of hope that you're sort of over making those sort of errors. But he still made one or two critical errors, which gave up just the worst goals you've ever seen. 
yeah. um, pretty much every single week. And um, we can't have, really have that going forward. I guess the, the worst part is that that happened to a lot of our other players gradually over the course of the season as well. Um, just yeah. getting out the worst goals or a lot of the worst goals in that last six games. Well, the, the amount of times he either you know handballed straight to an opponent who kicked yeah. a goal from the goal square or yeah. fell over as he was trying to spoil and someone else kicked the goal from the goal square or he was trying to rush through a behind, tripped over his own feet and another opponent kicked a goal from the goal square. That, that must have happened about 15 to 18 times throughout the year. And we can't have that going forward. Well, we can't. I think, I think he'll grow out of that, but... Uh, it, it needs to be now. Like he needs to really sharpen up, stay focused, and, and not make so many stupid mistakes. Because it's those sort of stupid mistakes that can cost you games, can cost you final series. Can I throw some Port Adelaide history at you? Um, mm. Which basically, I, I think that Darren Mead before the AFL, he was in and out of the side a lot. Daryl Wakelin, even when he was traded over, he was in and out of the side a lot. Matt Bishop was in and out of yeah. the side a lot. Like these mid-career. Yep tall backmen, normally they're in and out of the side a lot, but because mm. Dougal Howard's our only 200-centimetre uh, key backman, I think that he probably was played at games when he's probably been out of the side. And, uh, you know, he's, but then again, you come up against a team that's got a couple of 200-centimetre key forwards uh, or forward options with a ruck potentially, um, then, yeah, you've got to play him. And I think that he probably maybe yeah. got played at times when his form didn't really say he should, but just because he's an unusual unit in our side for being so tall and being a backman as well. Um, I think that he probably got a few more opportunities than he might have done elsewhere. But, you know, that's yeah, okay. Yeah, especially with Jonas, maybe, you know, he was injured for, for times yeah. when yeah. probably Howard should have maybe been spending a couple of weeks on the sideline. Um, yeah. And, look, he did he did miss a couple of games throughout the year. But yeah. um, he probably got two or three more games than what he deserved on form, uh, yeah. especially coming late into the season. But... Look, as I said, sky's the limit for Dukes. I love the guy. I think, um, you know, he could really hold one of the keys to our future and uh, and trying to win a premiership because he's got height, he's got pace, he can go forward, he can go in the ruck, he's good defensively. If he can learn that sort of intercept marking and stop those silly mistakes, then he is an absolute potential elite key defender. Yeah, and I think that if anything, this season's kind of illustrated that we do need another, you know, really tall backman on our list. Um, so maybe yep. that'll happen this off season. Maybe, maybe. Um, the next player we're going to talk about, Darcy Byrne Jones. He um, continued to grow uh, this year, not uh, height wise, but certainly in in terms of his game. <laughs> he played twenty nine games. He uh, he averaged seventeen disposals, picked up four marks and three tackles a game. Um, it was a bit of a disjointed season for Darcy. I, I feel like he was better than last year. Um, but uh, again, I, you, you just go back to that round one game. And here he is. He picks up 28 touches, 10 clearances, five inside 50s. He was pretty much best on ground that day. Um, and we didn't really see him playing in that sort of plus one midfield role again. Like He, he looked so good as that sort of, you know, 15 metres just behind the play. If mm. the ball comes to him, then bang, he's got it. And, um, you know, he, he's, he certainly played that sort of role at stages through the season, but certainly not uh, through the second half of the season. He was more sort of pushed back to his usual sort of uh, halfback flank role. Yeah, look, um, <laughs> I agree that that's a good role for him going forward. Uh, but I think that, our, you know, our defence had a lot of changes during the year. Um in terms of what players are available, you know, and I, I think that there might have been some hope that at the start of the year that Matt Broadbent would be available. Um, and I think that, you know, Darcy Byrne-Jones is probably, I guess, the, the best of our small defenders, really. Uh, I think that he just got put wherever the coach decided he needed to be put. Uh, I guess, hopefully, having recruited a bunch of small defenders in the last off-season, um, maybe mm. we ought to get to put uh, Darcy in a better position for his personal game in the future. Uh, I guess we'll find out. Yeah. Well, he did a few roles up forward this year, um, defensive roles up forward. Do you see that as something that he might do a bit more in the future? Uh, 
Yeah, look, maybe. Uh, again, it comes down to us settling our mid, uh, mid-sized and small defenders uh, in terms of where they are on the site because, look, we reckon a couple of them are probably going to go. Yeah, we reckon Pittard's probably gone. Yeah. Um, Holmes should be gone, and he's not. He, he, can, he plays sort of smally, tally anyway. Uh, so the defence is going to change, and we'll see who comes in next year, I guess. But like I said, at this point in time, Darcy's our number one small defender. So until we can find someone that is, you know, at least of AFL standard to take that spot in the back line, I think he's probably going to be stuck there a bit. Yeah. Look, I really like Darcy. I think he does a really good job. I think he's pretty consistent. I think he had a pretty good year this year. Um, yeah, look, I wouldn't mind seeing him move up a little bit further up the ground at stages uh, next year, but I also like him pretty settled down back as well. Um, and, and again, like, just like Dugo, I think he's got a big future. I think he's pretty well settled in the side now. Yeah. You know, he's only, what, 23, about to turn 23 in a few days' time. So he's wow. still got age on his side as well. <laughs> yep. um, look, he's a, he's a good player. He's a very good player. That was yeah. a smart draft pick. Yes, agree, absolutely. Uh, next player we're going to talk about is uh, one of my favourites and my pick for uh, our best small defender, and that's Dan Houston, who played oh, uh, yeah, every game this yeah. year. I'd forgotten Dan. Mm, yeah, that's it. Everyone forgets Dan, but yeah, uh, that's sorry, all right. Dan. <laughs> um, <laughs> he played every game, was one of only a few players to do that, averaged uh, 16 disposals and uh, almost four rebound 50s a game. Uh, How did you see his season? Yeah, I look, I mean, I'm, I'm a Dan fan, which is ironic that I forgot him. A Dan fan, that's yeah, good. Yeah, you know, he's, uh, he's, look, he's good. I like him as that, uh, as an intercepting mark, but I think that he increased his general accountability this year, and I think that he was probably something he needed to do. Um, I'm yeah. happy with him throughout this season. There were times when he looked a bit, got a bit exposed, I think, but I think every defender in our side got a bit exposed at times. But uh, no, yeah. I'm happy to lock him in as part of this post-Tinkley defence, absolutely. Um, that's yeah. why he's on the list. That's why we're talking about him now. Yeah. Well, he's one of my favourites. Um, I love what he does with the ball. I love. I think he's underrated defensively. I think he does a lot more good defensive stuff than what he gets credit for. Um, again, he's pretty good at intercept marking as well. Uh, I guess the, the one thing that I didn't really like about his game this year was that, that I thought he was a bit safer with the ball. But yes. I think that was more directive game style as opposed to, as opposed to him personally. Mm-hmm. Um, last year and, and how he burst onto the scene and was uh, was nailing these hell risky kicks every single week and you know I think that's how he became a, a, a very quick fan favourite but we didn't really see that much this year um, I would definitely like to see that again in the future I agree 100% yes mm. Mm. look he's as you said he's pretty settled in this lineup, and um, it's hard to see him sort of making his way out of the side. I thought he started the season maybe a little bit slow, but um, I, I feel like he was just about our most consistent player throughout the whole season on the whole squad. He's definitely the, in that category of port player, and there's not a lot in this category, but he's definitely in that category of port player that I would be most upset by if they did ask for a trade. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. I'd be, be shattered. Right up there for sure. <laughs> be right up there. I would be shattered. Um, yeah, in fact, definitely. most of the people we talk about today would be in that category, I think. Uh, I can't think of any. Yeah. Dan more than most. Again, a very, very astute draft pick. And that's what I mean why I think that you know Parker's sort of earned his money in the last few years because we we picked him up and I remember we, we spoke about it on that draft night and we thought, well, there must be some sort of role for him that we're not seeing because that, when we picked him up, he was just a pretty basic sort of lead yeah. mark, small yeah. forward. And um, for him to to turn himself into a, uh, a a pretty bloody good defender with elite skills coming out the back line, I think uh, I think is great. I'm I'm just hoping that we've done the opposite with uh, Joel Patmore, turning him from a defender into a goal kicker. But I guess we'll find out in coming seasons. <laughs> yes, Jake Patmore. But yes, Jake Patmore. Sorry, I Jake agree. Patmore. Yeah. Uh, last player we're going to talk about is uh, Jared Leanett, who. Um, Played six games at AFL level throughout the season. Um, averaged 17 disposals, six marks, and three and a half, one percent as a game. He obviously came into the side later in the year mm. um, and played pretty well. He was pretty consistent in the six games that he played. Yeah, look, I mean, I didn't mind him. I think that he played safe football, but I think that given where our defence was at and his role on the side, I think that 
I guess could be expected. I don't. I didn't feel yeah. like he was particularly. I think there would have been only maybe one or two times when I thought, oh, that's a classy move. Like I think when he pinpointed a, a pretty long kick across the field to set up a, a goal. Um, you know, a couple of those little moments, little glimpses that you saw. But uh, yeah, look, I think that he did enough to show that he's at least going to be serviceable depth um, uh, going forward. And you know, if he gets that bit of confidence out of the games he did play this year, and he comes into next season, you know, pretty bullish and ready to go, he could certainly lock up a spot in this post Tinkley defence. He could, he could definitely. I think um, he's showed enough form to suggest that he's got a bit of a future at AFL level. Mm. Um, the, I guess the opposite of Dan Hewson, where I want him taking the uh, the risky kicks. I'm glad that Leanit or Lineit definitely chose the safe option most of the times, but it wasn't just a safe option, you know, kicking backwards sort of thing. No, no. I feel like he still took safe options moving forward. Which was um, which was a, a blessing. <laughs> they just weren't aggressive. That's right. And uh, look, that's that's fine. That's fine. I'm I'm happy with that. For a six um, gamer, yeah. Look, I, I, yeah, for a six gamer, absolutely. Look, I feel that again, like he might have a bit of a future further up the field. Maybe he takes over Westhoff's role. You know, longer term. Um, you know, he's done some really good jobs on a wing at SANFL level in the past. Um, and look, he's. Probably one that's been a bit of a surprise down back because he was uh, a pretty wingman solid. pretty much when he was, or a tall utility when he got drafted, and we've turned him into this sort of third tall defender. Um, but again, probably with good reason because he does have nice foot skills. Yes, yes. Look, I mean, I think that his disposal is probably what made him stand out in a side full of shocking kicks. Um, and again, that's, yeah. that's why we've named him today because we do need good kicks in defence. Yes, absolutely. And look, that's pretty much all I've got. Ah, there we for go. This evening, that's pretty all the players done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm I'm pretty happy about that uh, group we talked about tonight. There was no real controversy, and um, like we said, it is the post Tinkley defence. They are all our players that should be picking uh, when Kenningley's current contract expires. So, uh, yeah, there's a bit to look forward to. It's not all pessimism, um, even though we're not in the finals, and there are teams that I really don't like in the finals. <laughs> yeah. Look, it's a good core group to build a defence around. I think um, yeah. look, they're already, you know, a number of those players are already cemented in the side. You know, Cleary, Howard, Ben Jones, Houston. You know, they're not really going anywhere. They're they're part of the first team. Um, and look, I'm glad we've got them, and I think it's a good group to build around uh, going forward. Yeah, and look, just on the speaker chat, we've got some uh, ratings from Pommy Power of the various players. So he reckons Howard had a five out of ten. Jones, oh, Jonas, I assume. Oh, no, Burn Jones, I guess. Uh, sorry, uh, 8 out of 10. Uh, Dan Houston, yep. 8.5 out of 10. Klaza, 6 okay. out of 10. And uh, Jared, 6 out of 10. So, yeah, not too much yep. to disagree with there. It's probably about fair. And it's a question probably about from fair. Teal Blood. Do you think Mitch Grigg could be a decent cheap pickup to add depth? He's begging for an AFL contract. Uh, He's a shitty kick, isn't he? Uh, I, f- I feel like it would have happened by now. I feel like it would have happened by now. He's just, he, but he's not a reliable kick, though, is he? Oh, look, I think he, I think he is. I just don't think he's got the pace or the endurance to oh, play sure. AFL football or the desire to make it sort of happen. I don't know. I, I know that Brisbane were sort of sniffing around him after he got axed from the Crows. Mm. Uh, but you, you know, you feel like it maybe might have happened by now if, if it was going to happen. Um. Is that the sort of player that we should be targeting? No, and that's why I'm asking about. Like, I mean, you want a you know a, a, an accumulator? We don't need more grunt accumulators. We need accumulators that can kick. <laughs> so, um, unless it's like a really Look, he high can level, kick. he is oh. a good kick. He is a good kick. That's that's probably the best part of his game. Is his kicking? I think. I I just don't I just don't see him being a midfielder at AFL level, and he'd have to be a flanker. And yeah. him being a flanker is where he failed at AFL level in the past. Um, yeah, okay. So, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's pro- oh, Look, it, it would be good for him. Oh, I would love to see him land somewhere and, and, and get a second crack at it because he does have a lot of talent. Um, and he, he has played sort of three very consistent seasons the last three years at a very, very high level. But um, 
I'd also be happy if it wasn't with us as well, I think. Yeah, I mean, honestly, unless our delisting cuts go quite a bit deeper, I don't see it happening at Port. Yeah. Um, yeah. We've got a lot of we've got a lot of yeah. players in that almost could have, maybe should have, whatever bracket that we still have not delisted yet. So until that happens, then he's definitely off the table. Yeah. Look, if if Atley goes and Drew goes or something or gets delisted and oh God, if they go, we're drafting. And guys. you know, and we lose Wingard and yeah, <laughs> then then maybe then maybe you look at someone like Mitch Grigg with like the last rookie pick or something we lose like all that. Of that but... I just want us to. Get eighteen year olds because we're in rebuild mode. If Wingard goes, we're in absolutely one hundred percent in rebuild mode. Um, there's yeah. no question about it at all. Like that's not absolutely any any coach. If you're either playing for now or you're building for the future, you do not trade Wingard. Um, age bracket, quality, performance, and everything like he is absolutely a player you do not let go at this point. Mm. Um, a couple of years, who knows? But right now, shit no. Yeah. Yes, I would agree with that. I'm happy for him to stay, I think. Look, next week we've got another player review going on. This one is called The Outer, ah. um, which also has six players. And Who those six players will be discussing are Sam Powell Pepper, yep. uh, Billy Frampton, yep. Joe Outley, yep. Sam Gray, yep. Jasper Pittard, yep. and Carl Amon. Yeah, so this group um, was basically guys that are, were always seem to be on the verge of selection, uh, pretty much. So yeah. it'll be interesting. I think that'll be a, a one we can talk a bit of depth about there because uh, you know who was selected and who wasn't and all that sort of thing. That was certainly one of our ongoing conversations. I think every player in that group. So uh, it should be a good one. Yeah. Next Monday night. Should be. Should be. Hmm. Yes. Probably less positive, but that's fine. <laughs> Oh dear. Oh, that's okay. I think that's, you know, some of it will be positive, just not about the coaches. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Okay. All right. Hey. Well, until next time. Calm the power. Calm ports. Calm the power. Tread rate from 45 metres out against the breeze. Coming back. Coming back. Come back!